John Maxwell had a quote, and that's something else I've never forgotten. The pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, and the leader just to sail. Welcome back to the Wedgworth Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Christy Shirelli, the director of the program and your host for this episode. This episode was produced in response to the significant impact of COVID-19 and its effect on many of our Florida ag producers. Our goal with this story is to share an example of how one grower adapted his business model to survive this crisis. We are aware that many alumni continue to struggle to move their commodity, whether it be milk, fruit, produce, or something else. So before we dive into today's episodes, there are three things that we can all do to collectively support our WLI family at this time. Number one, buy Florida products at the grocery store. We need to all do our part to increase demand for these Florida-grown products. Number two, Thank the managers of the stores who are carrying Florida products. Make time while you're in the store to find them or share on Facebook the good job they're doing. And number three, contact your local and state officials, encouraging them to support Florida growers, not only now, but also in the future. At the end of the show, we'll provide more input on how to connect with farmers who are selling directly to consumers. Okay, so let's get started with our first guest. George, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Will you begin by telling us about your background, your connection to Wedgworth and to South Florida? My name is George Brew. I'm from the best class of class. <laughs> of seven. course, you said it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was born and raised here in Miami. Um, always loved agriculture. And I guess it's because of the stories that my dad told me and my grandfather about Cuba. You know, they raised sugar cane, pineapples, some cattle. They were poor. They were, you know, but they were happy. And, you know, fast forward, you know, having sold chemicals and resins overseas with, you know, dealing with millionaires and then sitting in the back of a pickup truck working cattle with another millionaire, they're totally different people. You know, to me, the farmers, agriculture, they're always been grounded. They're good-hearted people. Um, they're always there to help you. Um, I got my degree in animal science at UF. I uh, did pharmaceutical sales and veterinary science for a couple of years, and then I came down to Miami and started working the family business. And I told my dad on what condition I would work the business was if I could get my second degree in environmental horticulture. And I did that through the University of Florida Tropical Research Education Center. I had Dr. Jimmy Cheek was the one that nominated me into Wedgeworth. Um, had no idea what the program was, who the you know who Wedgeworth was, who was in the program, and then to be able to sit down next to all these farmers, all the people in the agriculture industry, and seeing them make a difference, you know, motivated me to help continue making a difference. I was a uh, past president of the Miami-Dade chapter of NGLA. Um, Dr. Cheek got me involved going to D.C. every year, advocating for the University of Florida and uh, for land-grant universities. He got me to go through you know, the Council of Agriculture Research and Extension and Teaching. And dealing with different land-grant uh, universities, hearing their issues and it's something that we learned in Wedgeworth what happens here locally is happening across the world maybe at a different level but we're all being affected one way or another and you know I think we're seeing that right now I think that's such a good segue and and, and when you talk about locally George and, and you talk about sort of South Florida and Homestead for for those folks not from South Florida can you describe what agriculture in South Florida is like 
You look at Miami-Dade County, and we're the second largest agricultural county in the state of Florida. Um, not what anyone would expect. You know, first is West Palm Beach. Years ago, the row crop was the predominant agricultural commodity. Today, it's more the horticulture. So, uh, perfect example, uh, Jose Costa grew tomatoes. Today, now it's called Costa Farms. Now they're in the nursery industry. So, everyone's evolved and changed what they've done. Um, we were the winter bread basket for the uh, eastern coast. Everything south of the lake, we fed the, the world. We fed the United States. You know, the fresh produce market. Uh, and most of that now has moved through the distributors. Now, today, you have the nursery industry, which is the predominant one. And now we're in that spring season where everyone's trying to ship their product north. And what would you say, who are typically the main buyers of Homestead's agricultural products? When you look at uh, produce, it's probably, I mean, most of it, I'd say the majority goes through uh, packers. And they have particular companies that are buying the produce and turn around and selling it. Um, and a lot of it's going to restaurants and to grocery stores up north in the northern United States. Again, because of the fresh produce. Uh, one of the challenges that we've had, obviously, is the import of um, of, prod, of produce from overseas, and that's been another, you know, thorn on our sides trying to keep that uh, commodity. Yeah, up that makes sense. So, if you'll think back with me, when COVID nineteen first became an issue, when we first started hearing about it, what were some of the earliest reactions you were hearing from growers in your area? <sighs> I'm going to I'm going to put back before we started the fair. We saw I work for the Miami-Dade County Youth Fair, and I'm in, involved with the agricultural portion of the, the fair. And to see what was happening across the world, you know, I think a lot of us were in disbelief. That'll never make it here. It's not going to happen here. And then when it started to make it, I think everyone froze. Uh, we weren't sure what to do. Um, what was going to happen? Yeah. And, and what did you start to see happen to the markets for a lot of these agricultural products? I think every market, uh, you know, from, from the uh, dairy to the nursery industry, everything came to a stop. It was kind of like um, winter hit hard up north and we're not buying anything. Um, and, and people didn't know what to do with the product. And either they had to till it. Uh, I know farm share and feeding South Florida – we're at capacity of uh, produce being donated to them. A lot of people think that the produce is, all the produce is dumped. No, the farmers actually give back, and there are certain regulations that they have to follow. Um, but they're at capacity. They, you know, we, they were telling the farmers, Man, please don't send me any more squash and zucchini or tomatoes. The, and this was the, these were the farm share, these were the like food banks. Yeah, food banks. Right. And again, it's something that people don't take into account is, you know, yeah, we talked about our our national security, but never no one ever thinks right. about our food safety. And I think this is a perfect example of what's happening not just here but across the world. And so, in addition to increasing their donations to food banks, uh, can you talk about what other how they you know how other growers may have changed their business practices to try to move product? One of the things that Sam Acruzio did at the beginning was he put produce outside of his. Uh, packing house for people to come and ha harvest and he was calling all his friends and everyone hey guys there's some bins outside come by and pick it up um i think the little light bulb turned on his head he's like maybe rather than just putting the bins outside let me try to sell the product even if he's selling at a cost or you know a little bit of 
a little bit above cost. And um, he was able to capitalize on not only he capitalized on it, but he was also able to see how a community turned around and supported him since he has always supported the community. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about Sam Acrucio and how you know him and and what you've kind of watched happen to his operation these last couple of weeks. I met Sam from the Ag Practices Board. Good-hearted, hard-working farmer. Again, every other farmer that I've met has been that way. Um, he's a family person. His kids are following his footsteps. And he's he's a staple uh, person in our in our society, making a difference not just for us, but for the whole entire state of Florida. As he was on the South Florida Water Management District Board, um, a strong voice, not just for agriculture, but for the whole entire community. We were able to catch up briefly with Sam Acrucio to learn more about his business model shift in response to COVID-19. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Will you start by sharing a little bit about your farming background with us? My mother and father started in 1948 um, growing tomatoes and made transitions into pickling cucumbers, squashes, and green beans. We've grown tomatoes, eggplants over the years. Um, the way that we have seen changes in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, our business soared to where we built packing house, put more machinery, bought land. When we got into the 90s with the free trade agreement signing, it stagnated uh, South Florida. Um, the year of 1993-94 season during the winter, we grew 4,500 acres. And since that time, we are down to 2,400 acres, selling none of that property to development. A big change you all are facing right now is dealing kind of with the outcome of COVID-19. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard about kind of COVID-19 being in Florida? We have watched pandemics in countries around the world, but never in our country. And at, when it first came out, I was thinking it was another flu, not knowing the seriousness of this, you know, but we realized after a week that this is a very serious problem worldwide. And at what point did you start noticing a change for your business? Closing of restaurants and, and schools, all of our off grades that went to those markets started backing up. The fancies were still selling at the store level. We started backing up on our number twos and our food service items. So we, we stopped packing those, throwing them down in the fields. Then um, two weeks in, the chain store business came to a screeching halt, and that's really what what hurt our production. We had we had to discard seventy percent of our crop. Visiting my local stores, I don't know if this is the exactly what happened, but with the consumers out of work, nobody getting a paycheck, I don't believe anybody's going to pay three dollars a pound for green beans. We should have reacted quickly at the store levels around the United States and reduced the price to where we had an affordable food source that, you know, consumers could afford. And we would have blown produce off the shelves. And I think just the cost of produce with nobody 
working, it's caused a major glut and a backup. What we've done here locally, we have started having sales to the public wholesale. We basically went on social media and we posted we will be selling to the public wholesale full boxes of produce, put the prices on there and, and a time, and the people came. It was, it was unbelievable. They drove up, didn't get out of their vehicle. They told us what they wanted. They paid their money, and within minutes, they were gone. And did you guys use cash only, or did you accept credit cards? or what We did cash card? only because we were only going to stay open three, four hours in the morning. What would you say to other Florida producers right now and growers that might be in a similar spot as you all were a couple weeks ago? What would you say to encourage them? I would say to a grower that's starting their season that they need to get set up to have daily sales to the local consumers and they will be overwhelmed by the response. My response is so large, we can't handle it because we're so busy farming. But if there's growers listening to this that haven't started their season, they need to have a, I would say a five to seven person crew and keep it open 10 hours a day and the consumers will eat their produce up and their their milk, their juices, their eggs. It has really opened my eyes that the consumer is wanting a fresh American product and they can't find it. Do you think that this experience has altered the way you'll do business in the future? I, I think it has. We are trying to get our heads together, believe it or not. I think I think farmers were sick people because we're already planning for next fall. But it's in our blood and our heart to feed the world. That's you know, it's it's in me that to keep going no matter what obstacle we are faced with because in the agriculture business we've been faced with all types of natural disasters and uh, fruit flies. Uh, flus. We will survive and we will keep growing. That's good encouragement. And well, any other thoughts that you want to leave us with that I didn't ask you about? Uh, God bless us all and God bless American agriculture. Thanks, Sam. I can't thank you enough for your time. Thanks again, Sam. George, I'd like to come back to you to debrief a little about the leadership principles we're seeing here. John Maxwell had a quote, and that's something else I've never forgotten. The pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, and the leader adjusts the sail. We have to go with the, with the role. You know, as the tide changes, you know, what are we doing? And I think one of the most important things that we could take across anything um, that we do is communication. Communication is key. And right now we have everyone's attention. And just making sure we get the right message out and educate people on what's happening in our community and in agriculture and across the state. Has this experience and you being down, like seeing, you know, going through the, the COVID-19 crisis, um, has it changed your thoughts about leadership in any way? I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think I'm being a little more vocal now than I have been in the past. The one thing I do ask our, our alumni to do is the most is speak up before we were on the soapbox and not many people were listening now we have everyone's attention make sure we're getting that message out make sure we're educating the elected officials um the elected officials and the ones that the candidates are beginning to run 
and now's the time to educate them about what's happening. And the other thing is take five minutes and call your classmates and see how they're doing. Sometimes those little words of encouragement can go a long way. Thank you to Georgia Brew from Class 7 and Sam Acrucio for sharing their time with us. For a list of farmers selling directly to consumers, visit the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Florida Farm to You webpage on fdax.gov, F-D-A-C-S dot G-O-V. Thank you for listening. The Wedgworth Leadership Institute for Agriculture and Natural Resources is a University of Florida Institute for Food and Agricultural Sciences Extension Program.